0: Uh, what a cool thing this morning even to just be on uh, i was on the facebook live stream and seeing your comments coming in and being able to kind of welcome you virtually and and even more than that seeing you interact with each other i want to encourage you to continue doing that and uh, let's do as much as we can to make this uh uh, an immersive experience so i want to encourage you to leave comments to each other maybe comments on the message that's being preached uh take notes um, and and let's encourage one another and let's hear from the lord this morning on this beautiful Sunday. And uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I am looking forward to getting back together. I can't wait till we can do that in person. Um, that's going to be an awesome, awesome Sunday. Well, last Sunday, uh, I got the chance to reintroduce the Gospel Conversations wall. If you're a Horizon West Church member, you know what that is. Uh, but that's the uh, illustration or the visual that we've created to Keep us focused on a thousand gospel conversations. In fact, it looks something like this, and those are push pins, those different colors that you see. And what I want to encourage you to do is to continue pulling pins off of uh, the wall, figuratively speaking, as you have opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with people, even in this unique season. Uh, One of the ways that I've been keeping track of that, since I can't pull the pins off physically, is just in my Bible uh, to write gospel conversations and to keep track of those that I'm having, so that when we get back together, hopefully in just a few Sundays, those pins can come flying off that wall once again. Well, I want to tell you about one story in particular. Last Sunday, Easter Sunday, I got word that there was somebody who was going to be baptized. Some of our faithful members, Socrates and Dorcas Perez, a, a member or kind of of their extended family, had expressed interest in being baptized, and so I said, "Hey." If you would have me, I'd love to come over after the service and be part of that experience. And this is just one example of how the gospel is moving forward. I want you to watch the screens for just a second. has chosen this day to resurrect uh, as well and to declare publicly that he belongs to a new team and that he doesn't want to be a secret agent, mm-hmm. but declare the power of uh, the Lord Jesus in his life. So with his testimony, we're gonna uh, help here uh, to baptize him in the waters uh, right here. So Stephen, share with us uh, your testimony. Jesus is my Lord and Savior, I'm not ashamed. I've always been wanting to do this for many years, but today is the sunny day that I want to do it now. Praise God. Uh, Stephen, because you have confessed the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior I do baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen Alright Yes What a cool moment, you guys. And I want to encourage you to continue sharing the good news of Jesus with people, continue taking opportunities. In fact, uh, as you have opportunities, we'd love to hear about them so we can be encouraged and also so that we might be able to share them. And so you can do that by just going to horizonwestchurch.com share, and you can send us those stories. This is times where you've had a chance to pray with somebody, to invite them to participate in the live stream with you, or maybe even just to share the gospel of Jesus with them. And we want to encourage you to do that. Well, one phrase that we've all heard dozens of times the last few weeks is the phrase, essential workers. And we've come to learn that some of the things that maybe we considered essential in our life before, we've come to realize aren't really essential. Things like gyms or bars or sporting events or movie theaters, things that were so filled and so popular and so part of our lives before that we can no longer do in this season. I got to tell you, it's so weird to be preaching in an empty room. You can see the seats behind me. We we are all experiencing a radical disruption from what was comfortable before and what we found security in prior to this. Chances are you've actually experienced disruptions in your life over and over and over again. It's not just a pandemic, but it was the divorce that you experienced or the death of a loved one or the loss of a job. These disruptions, I believe, this stripping away of our comfort and our security is God's invitation for us to answer this question. What is essential, really? And so this morning and for the next several weeks, we're going to be in a series that we're calling Essentials. And this morning, what we really want to dig down on is our essential identity. This comes first because there's nothing more important about you than your identity. It's who you are. If I was to say it as Dr. Seuss said it, I know we've got children watching. Today you are you. That is truer than true. There's no one alive who is youer than you. you know, there's a lot of truth to that. You have unique facial structure. You have unique fingerprints. Uh, you have a unique numbers of hair on your head, unless you don't have any at all, and that's not terribly unique. But you are a unique person. You have a unique identity. In fact, in the situation we find ourselves in, questions of identity are really becoming uh, profound and, and the topic of conversation. Questions like, what part of my identity should be accessible to others? Uh, how should ID information be stored and utilized? Who has the authority to make these decisions? These are important and critical questions. But this morning, what I want to do is present three aspects of our spiritual identity as Christians With the hope that it will remind us of what is most true and what is most essentially us about us. The first is this, our personal identity is that we are the people of God. Now let me give you a real quick uh, 32nd Old Testament history lesson. God appeared to a man named Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and said that he was going to build a nation out of this one man. That man Abraham had a grandson named Jacob who was then named Israel. And Israel had a descendant named Moses and God appeared to Moses on a mountain with a law for the people of Israel that they were to keep. And so in the Old Testament or what we might call the former covenant, there were certain physical and external boxes that had to be checked for you to be classified or categorized as part of the people of God. The first question was this, Am I circumcised? Am I circumcised? This was the physical symbol of the people of God. And secondly, do I keep the law of Moses? And every person who was part of the people of God knew that they had to check these physical and external boxes. And yet, even in the Old Testament, there were hints at something different. Uh, Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 22, verses 27 and 28. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you, for kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Let me read you another one, Hosea chapter 2, verse 23. I will have mercy on no mercy. I will say to not my people, you are my people, and he, God, shall say, or rather the people shall say, you are my God. What in the world does that mean? Here's what it means God was saying, even in the Old Testament under the former covenant, the day is coming when it's not just these physical external boxes, in fact, it's not at all those boxes being checked that mean you're part of the people of God. The good news, the gospel of Jesus ushered into the world a new reality that God's plan was to redeem people of all nations and not just. The nation of Israel. In fact, what happened when Jesus came was that some who had formerly considered themselves part of the in crowd now found themselves on the outside. And many who were considered excluded or outsiders now found themselves in on the mercy of God. In fact, if you were to read Luke chapter 13 verses 13 to 20, I don't have time to go there, but you'll see Jesus unpacking this reality. There was a new paradigm shift coming to the world. By the way, it's that paradigm shift that got Jesus killed. It wasn't that Jesus was performing miracles. It wasn't that Jesus was a great teacher. It was that Jesus came saying, what you formerly considered true, I'm going to tell you is no longer true. People of God has a different category now. There was, however, one religious leader, a guy named Nicodemus, who had a curiosity about Jesus. And so he shows up to Jesus at night. In John chapter three, we see the record of that. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, this religious leader, this teacher of the law, something very profound. He says, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Translation, it's not enough to check physical and external boxes anymore. God is looking for something different. And so in John chapter 1 verse 12, we see these words, to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so a new test was applied to determine the people of God in the New Testament and today. The questions now are not external and physical, but rather, have I received God's invitation to salvation and do I believe in the name of Jesus? As you're watching this morning, Horizon West Church and viewers from all over the place, I want to ask you this question. I want to be very clear on this. Have you created new physical and external boxes that you can check to, to indicate that you're good with God? Maybe that box is, well, I belong to a Christian nation. I'm an American or I belong to this or that political party. Therefore, I can check the box. Or or I subscribe to Christian values. I have Christian morals and so I check the box. Or maybe it's that I attend Horizon West Church or I attend First Baptist Orlando or I attend whatever your local church might be and that checks the box. Friends, those boxes don't exist in the kingdom of God anymore. And and my great fear, one of the things that I can sometimes lose sleep over and and it weighs heavily on me, is that there might be people who belong to us, meaning the church, and yet don't belong to Christ. And so one of the gifts and one of the invitations God may be giving us in this unique season when we can't gather as a physical corporate church is to ask ourselves this, am I reliant on the church for my salvation or am I relying solely on Jesus? Well, if you are relying solely on Jesus, if you've put your trust in him, there's a second aspect of your identity, and that is your relational identity as part of the family of God. You know, there's two ways in our world that a person becomes part of a family. First, they're born into it uh, through blood, right? That's how my three children came into my family. They all are physically uh, born of my wife, and they look like us, and one of them really looks like my wife, but they're ours, right? They're physically born of us. They share our traits and our DNA. Uh, this is what First Peter one twenty three talks about when Peter says this, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So some are brought into family through blood. Others are brought in through covenant. You know, my wife and I are not Blood relatives, you'll be happy to know that. Our relationship is one of covenant. We stood at an altar 10 years ago this weekend and said, For better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and health, till death do us part, and we made a covenant relationship. We are family because of covenant. This is also what's true of those who have been adopted. You've been brought into a family through covenant. And the New Testament uses this metaphor as well in Ephesians chapter one and verse five, which says this, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So the question is, are, are we born into God's family or are we adopted in? Is it through blood or through covenant? Well, let me illustrate it for you in this way. Uh, when I was in high school, I had a uh, guitar. I actually still have it to this day. But there was a point at which a friend of mine had gotten caught up in drug addiction and and he actually stole that guitar and he sold it to the pawn shop for drug money. Well, when we found out, it became clear that uh, that had happened and I needed to buy that guitar back. It, It had been sold. The pawn shop owner had given money for that item. And so I had to go and give money to the pawn shop owner to get that guitar back. It was my possession and yet I had to redeem it. That's a little bit like what Jesus did for us. We were his naturally, by birth, biologically created and redeemed by God, and yet we had to be adopted back into the family of God through faith. And so the New Testament establishes that believers in Jesus are children of God by both blood and covenant. We are doubly his. What does it mean that we've become part of the family of God? Well, two things at least. One, We have a heavenly father. When Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, the first words he gave them were these, our father who art in heaven. That word was Abba in the Greek. It was this daddy. It was this relationship with God that that was foreign to other people that, that didn't understand this covenant of grace. But he said, those who are God's children, those who are followers of Jesus, you're gonna have a relationship with God that is of a child with their daddy. And it also means that you have brothers and sisters. I grew up with six biological siblings, same two parents in a home together. And then years later, my family grew. I have now 14 additional siblings by adoption and marriage. That's 20 for those who are struggling with the math. But but here's what's crazy. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've put your trust in him for salvation, you don't just have 20 brothers and sisters. You have hundreds of millions all over the world. And it's important that you know that as vital as our relationship with God the Father is, that relationship and the health of that relationship is largely impacted by how we interact with our spiritual brothers and sisters. We are part of a family. And so I want to apply this to you who are watching. Family takes care of each other. Family serves each other. Family loves one another. In this unique season, being family may look like praying for healing and an end to this virus and other diseases. Being a family looks like delivering groceries when you know of someone who is in need. Being family looks like making a phone call or a text or hopping on Zoom to encourage and to pray with other people. And being a family looks like sharing the good news of Jesus so that others too can be part of the family of God. And as we do that, we're fulfilling the third aspect of our identity that I want to look at this morning, and that is our missional identity. We are the body of Christ. Now, every business, every corporation has a mission statement and probably a purpose statement and probably a vision statement, and sometimes those terms get all confused, but I want to differentiate between two of them. Purpose answers this question why do we exist? And the answer for us as believers, as followers of Jesus, is quite simply, we exist to glorify God. But our mission is a little bit different. Mission answers the question, how do we accomplish our purpose? In other words, how is it that we glorify God? And our mission at Horizon West Church, our mission at First Baptist Orlando, is to follow Jesus and lead others to do the same. We believe that as we follow after Christ, we, we obey his teachings, we spread his good news, and we bring others along in that mission that God is glorified through that. Well, I gave you an Old Testament history lesson in 30 seconds. Let me give you a New Testament history lesson in 30 seconds. You probably know that the New Testament's all about Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection, and it goes on from there. Because after Jesus was raised to life on the third day, the Bible tells us that he ascended to the Father. He's now seated at the right hand of God and at something called Pentecost, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit into the lives and the hearts of the disciples. And this moment, this Pentecost moment ushered in what we call the church age where the Holy Spirit of God is inhabiting believers in Jesus and continuing the mission and the work that Jesus began in his 33 years on the earth. The same spirit that filled and empowered Jesus' physical body now fills and empowers the physical representation of his body on the earth, which is us, the church. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19 and 20, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Friends, the saving mission that God the Father entrusted to his Son has now been passed on to us as his body. And I say us, and you'll notice I've been using the term we very intentionally, because the truth is, you are not the body of Christ. I am not the body of Christ. We together are the body of Christ. We together are the family of God. We together are the people of God. That sense of connectedness to our brothers and sisters is part and parcel to who we are. We cannot do it in isolation. This is why Paul uses the analogy of the body, because our body has literally hundreds and hundreds of different parts, and yet they come together to make a cohesive whole to accomplish things like speaking and walking and doing. And God has fit the body of Christ together in such a way that the gifts of this one and the personality of that one and the gifts of this one come together, and when they come together in unity, mission is accomplished and God is glorified. And this mission is huge and eternal And I believe it should give energy and focus to our lives. I gotta tell you that when I discovered the mission that God had for me in my high school years, 15, 16, and 17, what formerly had been a life of boredom and a life of just getting through the day and a life of drifting purposelessly through life was now filled with purpose and hope and energy and focus. And that purpose and hope birthed by God and his saving work in me and fueled by the mission that God has given me carries me through even to this day. Well, someone may ask, what does that mission involve? To which I would answer this. We're going to give you that answer next week. That's going to be the second essential. What is our mission? But before we get there, I want to do this as we close. I, I want to I talk for just a minute about application of this message. And, and maybe right as soon as this service ends, you turn to the person you're with. Maybe that's a spouse or your kids or your parents or, or maybe a roommate or maybe you need to pick up the phone or text somebody. But I want you to ask this question and have this conversation with somebody. What is the next thing that God has for me to do? What's the next thing that God has for us to do? Maybe that's to join a group All of our groups at Horizon West Church are meeting online using the Zoom platform and and we wanna encourage you in just a second, we're gonna give you an opportunity to go and click on something that will take you to connection with a group. Maybe your next step or the next thing for you to do is to give an extravagant gift, a generous gift to the church so that mission can continue. Or, Or maybe to give an extravagant gift to somebody that you know who is in need. Or maybe your next step is simply to commit yourself once again, to more wholeheartedly follow after Jesus, to spend more time in prayer, more time in his word, more time in worship of him. Friends, those things aren't boxes that we check that earn us favor with God. But I believe a heart that is filled with the love of God, a heart that embraces Christ as their number one priority is gonna manifest itself in a life that looks like spiritual discipline, like seeking after the heart of God. And so maybe that's your next step. Whatever it is, in just a moment when we close the service, I want you to ask that question with someone. What is the next thing that God has for me to do? Friends, I want to thank you for being with us. I can't wait to get back together in the room physically with you. And in the meantime, let's continue to be the body of Christ. Let's continue to use our gifts, to use our encouraging uh, uh, tongues, our, our texts. Let's, let's build one another up. Let's share the gospel of Jesus Christ and let's see God glorified in this season. Would you pray with me as we prepare to sing? Father, we thank you for this unique day, God, and even though it's so different and so disruptive in so many ways, God, we know that your purposes and your mission have not changed. God, that you seek to redeem a people from every tongue and tribe and nation and language. And God, in many ways, that gospel's bursting forth now like never before. So God, would you allow us to keep in step with your Holy Spirit? Would you allow us to be partners with you in the gospel work that you're doing? to the glory of God the Father. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church podcast. If you are inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.